Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shewart & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansour's on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Sports today is big business in the United States, and Baton Rouge is no exception. Since 2006, sporting events lured here have helped generate an economic impact of more than $300 million. And not only does Baton Rouge host sporting events, it produces an impressive number of athletes. What is the source of our untapped potential, and how do we unlock it? My guests today are experts in this field and are doing their part to grow Baton Rouge's sports sector. Pat Fellows is a serial entrepreneur who, among other things, created the Louisiana Marathon in 2012. In the five years since, it has grown to become Baton Rouge's premier sporting event after Tiger football and attracted nearly 9,000 runners from all 50 states and foreign, 40 foreign countries at its 2016 event. Pat also brought his popular concept to the Mississippi Gulf Coast with the first annual Mississippi Gulf Coast Marathon. And in his spare time, he's a personal trainer and a triathlon coach, as well as a downtown restaurant owner. Pat, I don't know how you do it all, but we're looking forward to hearing Thank about you. it. Yep. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Mac Chiwilli is CEO and Sports Performance Director of Traction Sports Performance, an elite sports performance institute focused on enhancing all areas of athletic performance. Traction Sports has two Baton Rouge locations, employs dozens of trainers, coaches, and nutritionists, and his 20,000-square-foot facility on Burbank Drive attracts NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball pros from around the country. Aspiring NFL players actually come to Baton Rouge every year now for Traction's NFL Combined Development Program. It's got to be one of the best-kept secrets in Baton Rouge. Mac, we look forward to hearing about it. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Well, Pat, I want to start with you. The Louisiana Marathon is celebrating its fifth anniversary. It's grown tremendously, and you and your partners first got the idea for this back in 2010. Y'all told me recently that you went to a marathon in Fargo, North Dakota, and looked around and said, they can attract 20,000 runners to North Dakota. We can do that here in Baton Rouge. Yeah, so we, we started at Craig Sweeney on Danny Bourgeois and I. Craig and I had sat down. We, we were talking about bringing a, uh, a 10K back to Baton Rouge. You know, mm -hmm. they'd had the Great River Road run, and we sat down and it was like, we really don't have a, 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 a 10K like that. Maybe we should do something bigger. And at the same time, rock and roll uh, was coming to New Orleans. They had just bought the Mardi Gras Marathon. Okay. So we were, we were like, you know, why not Baton Rouge? You know, we, our initial idea was right before they announced that rock and roll had bought Mardi Gras in New Orleans was, could we get rock and roll here? You know, could we just facilitate that? And then not a month or so later, they announced that partnership. And we we're like, well, the heck with it. We'll just do our own. And so, you know, what started out as kind of a, a meeting over, like, let's do a 10K, let's do this, turned into having a 5K, a kids race, a quarter marathon, a half and a full and it's for really, like a whole weekend. And it's really a huge event. I mean, it is a weekend of events. It is. It's 
first class professionally. I've, I've run it several times, and it's great. Yeah, when we started out, we wanted to bring, you know, the, the full deal. You know, I, at the time, I was also working for Mizuno selling running shoes and had been to Boston, Chicago, and some of the bigger marathons, and we wanted to have the expo experience. We wanted it to have a feel of marathon week. Uh, and that's, you know, when you're in Boston for the Boston Marathon, everybody in town, whether or not they run or not, they're fired up about Marathon Week. It's like a right. big deal. Oh, yeah. no and uh, it might have to do with them having the, the race on Monday and people getting off on <laughs> Patriots Day. And so they, <laughs> they're drinking and watching the event. But that may be part of the uh, allure. But we've, ha we've tried to create that here. Was it difficult to get sponsors in those early first couple of years? It was. You know, what we found in the first couple of years is that nobody everybody's uh, kind of perception of what a race event was, was a pretty small kind of smaller scale event. And we were talking about, in our eyes, we were, we were building something big. And there was kind of a disconnect between the biggest races that were here already mm -hmm. and what we were trying to do. And it was kind of after seeing it the first year and the second year and going, oh wow, this is what they were talking about. This is like a, a world-class event. This is like what they do at rock and roll all over this is a smaller version of what they do at the chicago marathon and, and those are the things that you kind of have to go through it to really kind of feel what it is and we're seeing the same thing uh with mississippi is there's a lot of support and a lot of groundswell with like hey this is going to be a great thing but on a smaller scale when you're talking to some of the smaller restaurants and the, the mom and pop stores around there they've never seen a running event this large there right so it's hard for them to kind of you know some of the larger companies can get behind it but getting the full the full community behind it takes a couple years you've grown a great event with a national following mac you've also managed to grow a national following but with the athletes who come down here to train with you you didn't start as a trainer at least not as a kid you had hoped to be a baseball player yourself and then an injury sidelined you how did you get into the training and and how did you grow this business to, to now attract so many national caliber athletes? Well, you know, I always aspired to be a professional baseball player. And much like most young kids, you know, aspire to be a football player, baseball player, basketball, whatever it was. Uh, I was a really good player. Uh, I found out, you know, the hard way. I, I tore my shoulder up my senior year in high school. I still was able to get a scholarship to Nickel State University to play baseball. Um, I did a year of rehab there and was never quite the same player. Mm -hmm. uh, at that time, I fell in love with the process of rehab and spending a lot of time with the trainers and the strength coaches and stuff. And, uh, you know, I made so the decision. So it was through your injury that you became through familiar my injury. with it. Yeah. Interesting. And, um, I, you know, I decided at that time at which way I wanted to go. I knew I was wanted to be involved in sports. I could never be involved in anything else. You know, that's all I'm good at is sports. And uh, <laughs> I decided that, you know, I, I wanted to prevent you know, people from getting injured. I want to prevent kids from getting injured. I learned through my process that it was everything that I was doing that led to my injury. It wasn't baseball to sport. It was how I was preparing to play baseball and all the things I was doing wrong. So I made the decision in college that, hey, I was going to try to prevent injuries. I wanted to be the guy that stopped the 16-year-old mm -hmm. kid from hurting his arm and doing that. And do, do a lot of kids and young athletes do it wrong? I mean, and now that you're in this business, do you find it? Do the Absolutely. I mean, I feel it's getting worse and worse because of the uh, specific sport nature that we live in today. You know, kids are playing specific sports a lot longer, a lot younger, uh, at a much higher level. As the training is getting better and better, the demands on kids and athletes is getting 
more and more. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of a two-headed sword where, you know, even though the training is getting better, they're getting more demands on the kids. So you're always trying to find a balance of, you know, hey, have an off-season, prepare your body for whatever it is you're trying to play so that you can play at your highest level, whatever level that is. Because I would imagine there's, for instance, like a lot of core strength that they have to have that they may not think about or just certain muscle groups that they maybe don't exercise enough. Oh, absolutely. Enough. You know, you, you know when, you're, when you're throwing a baseball hard, you know, you're putting a lot of pressure on your shoulder and your rotator cuff and your elbows. So if you don't prepare your body, if you don't stabilize your shoulder, if you don't have good core strength, if you don't have lower body strength, if you don't have balance and coordination and all those things and the whole body working in symmetry, uh, you're going to create problems. You, your body is one of the greatest gifts in the world and it's the greatest machine in the world and it will find a way to compensate. But through that compensation, you, you're going to start to you know, injuries will start to rear their ugly head. So how did you all start to attract NFL and NBA and, and Major League Baseball players to your facility here? Well, it was it, it started off with one and became two and four. And, you know, I, I, I had the privilege to work for a guy by the name of Mackie Shillstone in New sure. Orleans, who is a sure. world-renowned trainer. Uh, I did my internship with him, and he hired me uh, to be a performance trainer for him starting out in New Orleans. And uh, I was blessed with the ability to work with professional athletes right off the bat. I worked with, you know, Roy Jones Jr. and Serena Williams and, you know, athletes like that. And uh, when I came to Baton Rouge, I came to Baton Rouge to run a training facility here in Baton Rouge. And it wasn't quite the same feel mm -hmm. that I had, which, which brought me to open traction in 2006. And when I opened traction in 2006, I had created... Uh, some good relationships through LSU and stuff here in Baton Rouge. And, you know, I always say my first professional athlete wasn't even a professional athlete. It was Darnell Lazar, who was a basketball player at LSU. And uh, through that, you know, I, you know, I did a good job with him. And it ended up being he told his buddy and his buddy came. And then it was, hey, you training these two guys. And so old-fashioned word of old mouth. Old-fashioned word of mouth, yeah. And what, results. What distraction offer that other trainers in bigger markets around the country don't? Surely there have to be competitive facilities all over oh absolutely you know we we're blessed to live in you know louisiana is filled with athletes so uh you know we've we've decided over time that you know we wanted to compete nationally for athletes you know so we've you know through results and through you know obviously lsu being such a hotbed for for you know high high level athletes you know we've so slowly developed relationships and through their success so guys uh, moving on to playing the NFL that have trained with us, you know, the kind of word of mouth spreads. Athletes are a very tight-knit group, just like runners, you know, uh, triathletes, you know, and, and the word spreads pretty quickly amongst certain types of athletes about, hey, I prepared here, I had success, you should try it, you should try it, and, you know, through success, through results, I mean, our industry, you can't fake it. You know, if athletes are doing well, you're going to get more business. And, Pat, you've probably certainly had that experience because you've trained people you train yourself, but sure. you also train people in the triathlon and, and running world. Yeah, and ours, mine, mine is a little bit more. I think, I don't want to say less specific. Ours, most of the things that I work out work out for people are are more workouts for runs. You know, it's it's different workouts within the run. I don't have the luxury full time to be working on people's form. You almost mm -hmm. have to trust. It's like, hey, you know, it, it depends on who who you're working with. Some people I will go out and run with them and do some things with them, but they're just. Most of the folks that I'm working with are, are like yourself who, you know, I know you've competed in the past. It's like, okay, you, this is my life. These are the things that I have to do. How can I fit in training for Ironman into this, right. into my life? And, you know, how am I going to get the volume? How am I going to do it without getting injured? How am I going to achieve the goals that I want to but not have 
you know, I don't have an extra 15 hours. Of, you know, some people every once in a while get have a lot of extra time, but most people I have are are just busy professionals that are that that have these goals to you know within Ironman. Most of them are longer distance triathlon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then uh, I would say half marathons, marathon. So it's more of the longer distance stuff. So it, it's it's interesting. I, I kind of fell into it after being in the sport for a long time and started writing plans for for friends and and doing things like that. It was the same sort of thing. It was like word of mouth. It's like, hey, I I, I was able. He, this guy worked with me, and he may not have. 50 letters behind his name but he knows how to fit it into life and that was the biggest thing I think that I brought to the table how much raw athletic talent do y'all think we have here you know for a market this size oh Baton Rouge yeah I mean tops in the country you know Louisiana is is filled with athletes and you hear it even on the national level you know we have a tremendous amount of athletes and very gifted athletes in our communities and stuff and it's you know, our job as trainers and professionals that we're just trying to get the best and give them the same opportunities that you get on the West Coast or you get in the Northeast, you know, that, you know, Louisiana is always a little bit behind usually uh, just because we're more laid back here, you know, culture mm-hmm. in Louisiana. But we've tried to, you know, say, hey, just like, you know, him with the Louisiana Marathon, you know, there's, you know, most athletes go to L.A. or Arizona or Miami and stuff to train. We've said, hey, you know, why not Baton Rouge? Why wouldn't you come here and train where the best athletes in the world are training with the best trainers and, and why not Baton Rouge? That's the great thing because then you can build a synergy around it, really Absolutely. create a sports economy. Mac, why you're doing this here, why not do it for a professional team? Why aren't you a conditioning coach for the NFL somewhere? I, I get is asked that all fun? the time. Uh, it is, you know, a private entity, but, you know, just my lifestyle, you know, uh, I wasn't, I don't, you know, when you're a strength coach or you're doing it for a professional team, you're really at the mercy of the success of the team. So, you know, and, and, and unfortunately in my industry as a strength coach or whatever it is, uh, you can be doing the greatest job in the world and all your players can be healthy. And if a coach makes a few bad decisions and they decide they're changing, co- changing coaches, you know, uh, your job might be in jeopardy despite the type of job that you do. Coaching at the professional level, at the collegiate level, you really have to be willing to move from place to place and, you know, grow that pipeline. I, I was I was never really interested in that. I was more interested in, in developing myself and helping kids in my community. And, you know, it started off just wanting to help kids. And it's just, you know, athletes are nothing but big kids. So, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we've just created that pipeline from really big kids all the way down to little small kids. So y'all start with small kids. Absolutely, yep. But do you take part-time athletes or the weekend warriors like, like Pat does? Or do you Absolutely, all just yeah. do serious team no, we have, we have adult training, you know, and in, in our adult training, what we try to do in our adult training is, you know, uh, create the same atmosphere that an athlete had in college or, you know, or high school, that kind of training. Our feel is very sports oriented. You know, if you're a runner, if you're a, uh, if you're still an active adult, you play softball, you play flag football, or you run races or you do whatever, you know, we're, we're trying to take what we do uh, from an, from an athletic standpoint I always say that the difference between sports performance training and fitness training is you know we're really not judged on fitness level we're judged on performance you know so if we're a key difference it's a key difference you know we're not judged on hey I lost 20 pounds and I I feel much better we're judged on you know how well you played or how well you ran your race or how well you feel you know so it's a different it's a different type of animal rather than just fitness we're talking with Mac Chewilly of Traction Sports Performance and Pat Fellows of the Louisiana Marathon. Pat, let, let's talk about the business model for a minute. How much money is in this? I mean, is this a, a very lucrative 
field to go into, and I know the Louisiana Marathon probably I mean, lost money the first couple of years, yeah. then broke even, and now it's doing okay. But Yeah, well, you know, we have created an opportunity for us to make a living doing this, but n I'm not getting rich putting on races, right? I mean, that's just that's just how it is. We would, if, we were, if we had 25,000 runners, mm -hmm. I don't think we'd be getting rich because we'd still have the expenses of 25 you have the expense you know everything yeah. you know we, we work it out at the end and after after every race we'll go back and we'll have just kind of a breakdown of what do we spend per runner mm -hmm. what does it cost us what do we charge and where can we start out our prices and what you know all the things that go into that you've been at the louisiana marathon we have the best after party mm -hmm. probably than any other marathon in the nation it's like a little like, mini jazz fest yeah and that but that <laughs> comes at a cost right, right. and you know the, as a runner if i you know you may get it but some, you know, Joe Runner from Wichita goes, why is this race X amount of dollars? Well, then he comes and he sees and he gets to try out, you know, food from 20 different restaurants and goes, wow, I've never seen anything like this. It's interesting, even though they do see that and they, they, they still come to think, well, that's just what I should get now because we've created this thing. Mm -hmm. So even if we raise prices a little bit, we sometimes get some pushback on it. But again, I think it's, you know, from my standpoint, I would do it. I would be doing this no matter what. We just finally said, "Hey, if we're going to do it, let's do it on a grand scale, and and try to create." I mean, we've we've done a pretty good job impacting the economy here. It was it was part we wanted to do it for a living, and it was part this is how we're wired. We're going to be doing this, and it was part regardless of what the income is, the city needs it. Mm -hmm. And we felt like we needed to put that on to bring yeah. something cool to the city. I mean, just probably how you started your gym. It's like, look, yeah, I'm going to be doing this anyway. Right. Why not try to attract NFL players and yep. and bring those people to us? Because we're going to be doing it at a level that we feel is on par with anybody else in the country. Absolutely. Let's let's do it here and let's, let's bring something cool to our city. I mean, I, I don't know. What do sponsors get in return for their however many thousands that they put up? The companies that do the, the best with us are the ones that – like Albemarle does a huge um, wellness piece within their business. So they, they reach out to all their employees. Like, we want you to do this. We, we'll provide some training plans. We'll do a health and wellness fair. Mm -hmm. So it's, and everything is geared up to peaking at the Louisiana Marathon. So it's something that they, they see it as a, an opportunity to impact their employees from, you know, January when the race is to the next January where the race is again. And it's a piece in their puzzle. That's great. For wellness. Yeah. So if, if I look at what a sponsorship is, you know, when I speak with somebody, and I'm not in, in charge of sponsorship, but it, it is about like, hey, it's not just a what's going to happen for you on the race day. It's how can we activate from race day to the next race day. Mm -hmm. So if you said, hey, you know what? And I know you're not writing this check, but if the business report wants a sponsor. And, you know, but the race is only in a month away. Is that or how are we going to get value? Well, we get value leading up to it. Right. And then we're going to get value from that race to the next race. So it's a it's a year long sponsorship. Mac, what about what about your business? How much does it cost to get first rate training? Uh, it ranges. We try to create, you know, a bunch of different levels. You know, ultimately you have, 
you know, there, there's usually, you know, a couple of different levels. You, you train with a group of your peers, whether it's, you know, kids your age or adults, you, you know, uh, and you train within a group, which is the, you know, kind of the entry level model. And, and, and then you get all the way to the private personal stuff. And, you know, you can go as far as, you know, private, you know, training one-on-one -on -one with a trainer with body fat analysis and all the technology and recovery treatments and therapy. And it can get really expensive, yeah. you know, but... You know, today, you know, being healthy is such a big deal, uh, and it's it's something well, that. Yeah, I mean, y'all are in, in in a field that just seems to have unlimitless potential because fitness and yeah, athleticism absolutely. is so big right now. And you know, if you look at the trends of just the fitness industry in general, you know, people don't just work out on their own anymore. They just right. don't. I mean, a everybody is looking for instruction, whether it's running. People just don't go out and jog without a plan. They don't right. go. Uh, you know, work out at a gym without a plan. You mm -hmm. know, those days are kind of behind us. So, you know, everybody is, you know, taking their health and their, you know, their own well-being into their own hands and they're getting into, you know, Pilates classes or spin classes or running clubs or biking clubs or training programs, you know, and that's, that's the where fitness is now. You know, there's a huge market for anybody that can bring anything to the table to help that's enjoyable, that people want to be involved with and our goal is always just look, let's get people up moving you know doing yeah. something they love and you know we're taking advantage of you know the things that people love to do and, and, and you know where everybody travels in packs and uh, athletes will want to <laughs> do this and runners want to do this and cyclists want to do that and you know yoga people want to do this and some people have well-rounded programs they run they do yoga they train you know and we we're just trying to educate and that's where this industry is what it's about the crossfit craze what do y'all think of crossfit good or evil I mean, I, 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 it's not as much of i look at it as a couple different things i think that anytime you get people active that's great i think that there's uh, a sense of community in it and what you were just speaking of is in it I think that athletes thrive in communities that's why teams yep. work well but like yep. you know when we used to ride mm -hmm. early in the morning we had a group that went out early in the morning yeah. we rode together and that's the what we did important. right and and the group piece is important I think that CrossFit really taps into that on a lot of different ways I think that the nature of the exercises that they do are extremely form-based and that they're if it's not just the form it's the speed at which they do things i think that that, that piece of that model has a lot of opportunity for things to go wrong yeah with people that get in over their heads too quickly they want to be a part of the community that they've created and i think that there's an opportunity for people to get injured at it but i think that's with everything but that's right. that's just that's outside looking in and i don't dog it because i think it works for some people but my answer would be it's good and evil Yep. You know, my answer would be, I, I get asked this question all the time. How do you feel about CrossFit? And my answer is, is always very similar to his. I think it's a great thing because, you know, it was a new form of bringing people into fitness. It yep. is a great thing. But just like anything, like, you know, triathlon coaches or performance trainers, there's good ones and there's bad ones, right. you know. And uh, I just think that people have to know that when somebody's instructing you that they are certified and they know you know, they are educated and know the only problem with CrossFit is it's, you know, it's very easy to become a certified CrossFit coach, you know, and you might have somebody that does, you know, a weekend test and they're able to, 
bring 40 adults in a room and start teaching them very complicated lifts where some of the CrossFit instructors have been doing this for 20, 30 years. Right. You know, so it's really just a good in some places, evil in some. You know, it's just you got to, you know, I always say make an educated decision on, you know, which programs you join and make sure, do your research and know that, hey, this person or this, you know, company really knows what they're doing uh, and they have highly educated people that are teaching us always say you don't you know you don't take financial advice from you know somebody that's never been involved in finance no that's very good advice i mean think about it this way if you're a runner and you just decided to you know i'm going to run a marathon and then you've been running five ten miles a week and your coach said well you're running 60 miles a week next year i mean there's yeah you wouldn't do that either and i'm not saying that that's what that happens but it's every form of fitness can be abused if it's not yeah done correctly absolutely where are y'all headed before before we uh, have to sign off? Wh- where's the Louisiana Marathon headed? Uh, do you hope to franchise this concept no, much like the rock and roll? Or No, I mean, the, the rock and roll business and the, the, the business of franchising races, there's a couple big companies that have done that. To be honest, it's the same way I look at it with my restaurants. If I have four restaurants because that was what the need was, that's enough. If it turns out that somehow I have 400 because that's what the need was and it organically grew that way, great. Um, the marathon business, I think that, you know, right now we, I grew up on the Mississippi coast. That's why we went to the Mississippi coast. Mm-hmm. That's part of the deal. Craig, my other partner, Craig Sweeney and I went to Stanislaus. So we graduated. So bringing something there, it's got 26 miles of, of beaches. Yeah. It was easy. Um, Louisiana marathon, you know, we want to see it grow to 15,000. Mm-hmm. We feel that that, I mean, 20 would be great, but to be honest, 15 might be the sweet spot by what our streets can hold. Right. Um, so, you know, the goals that we have are, are for organic growth, doing it, executing what we set out to execute with each race. And is what, where it grows to, great. But I, I don't foresee us putting on 10 marathons. I mean, that, it's that just it's a tough deal. That approach makes so much sense to me. I love that. Mac, wh- what about you? Where, where's traction headed? Uh, you know, I believe we're just scratching the surface of what, you know, we really want to be. You know, we're a, we're a big training facility. We, we compete nationally. You know, our goal is to be one of the top training academies in the country. You know, we've we've developed, we have one of the top youth baseball programs in the country. We have, you know, we, we're bringing in athletes from all over the country to train in our programs and you know we're excited about the future and we feel like we're just now scratching the surface of what our potential is and and our goal is ultimately to be one of the premier training facilities in the country and to compete with you know the big facilities on the west coast the northeast the the southeast you know and uh really establish ourselves as if you're looking to get better if you're an athlete and you're looking to you know get the best possible place where you can train you can you know meet with our nutritionists you can you know just you really bring yourself to a place where there's not all of the outside things that go on if you really want to mm-hmm. focus uh and bring yourself to a place where you can take your game to the next level like we believe baton rouge is a great great place we don't have all of the things that you know the beaches and the palm trees <laughs> and all the other things that you know people go to but you know those can be distractions when you're really training well mac pat y'all have great stories to share and unique insights into a sector of the local economy that most people probably don't even think of in business terms and so we look forward to watching you grow the business of sports here in baton rouge and creating additional opportunities for athletes so thank y'all so much for joining me on out to lunch awesome thank you thank you so much mm-hmm.
My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Pat Fellows, founder of the Louisiana Marathon, among other things, and Mac Chewilly of Traction Sports Performance. You can find out more about the Louisiana Marathon and Traction Sports by following the links on our website, itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. All the music on Out to Lunch is composed and performed by Mitchell Foreman. You can find more of Mitchell's music wherever great jazz is streamed or sold and at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, it's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for it's batonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.